Hey everyone, and welcome out to episode 35 of Nerd Name Mark Podcast. Obviously, this is a, another intro, separate, just like I did with episode 34 um, in this week's episode. But I, okay, there's two this week because, you know, episode 34 already dropped. Um, so this is going to be part two of WrestleMania for WrestleMania 36, night two. Um, so, like I said previous episode, I'm going to be going back to normal, you know, structure, gaming, this and that, without the comics, because everything is still shit when it comes to comic books right now. I have no idea what's going on and when I'm going to read comic books again. That's the point. So, yeah, it was actually kind of fun uh, doing these wrestling ones. I actually talked to a couple of my friends and gave them the raw audio file for part one, have them listen, and it kind of got us intrigued on possibly starting a wrestling podcast. So that may be something in the works. Um, so yeah, I'm not really going to talk about games or anything like that. I'm going to get right into the meat and potatoes, which is night two of WrestleMania 36. So thank you for listening and enjoy. All right. So I'm sitting here after a nice, uh, long night two of WrestleMania 36. It doesn't feel as bad though, because let's face it, WrestleMania being on just Sundays has felt so long because it starts at like pre-show starts either 2 or 3 pacific time which is what i'm in and goes until like 8 so it's like i like this whole burst split because i'm like oh i don't have to watch till like 3 or 4 o'clock and it's done by 8 i was like i love this i love this whole two night thing i don't want it to be two nights because wrestlemania is in la next year and i plan on going since i am in san diego so hopefully that doesn't you know you know like so um, I didn't really talk about the pre-show matches from night one, which was basically just Cesaro versus Drew Gulak with Cesaro winning, which was awesome because I'm a Cesaro fan, and I completely realized I didn't mention that. Uh, this time, the kickoff pre-show was Liv Morgan and Natalia, and Liv won, so it's nice to see Liv win a match. Um, as a, Now, as a newly singles, no riot squad situation, especially going into Mania, and now post-Mania, maybe she can get a nice little push and maybe some good matches. Um, I was intrigued that they were going to start this off with Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte for the NXT Women's Championship. Also, I'm kind of, I know Charlotte won Royal Rumble and it was her choice, but I felt kind of weird that like no other NXT titles or anything were, you know, at Mania, like, and there was no takeover, so it was kind of threw me off because I was like, expected one and it's just been a weird weekend because no nxt takeover no hall of fame and this and that so it's like ah but i think they're probably gonna push the hall of fame back to SummerSlam, i believe so you know there's that but yeah right off the bat i mean very believe charlotte flair match was really good i enjoyed charlotte in the beginning kind of like putting her through school being like that's one and this and that like the once again just like the other episode i feel like i'm gonna repeat myself the banter the trash talking being able to hear it great but it felt kind of like, you know, Charlotte Flair being the veteran and being kind of like the top female since basically she came to NXT and then up on the main roster. So it's like she kind of sat there and kind of put on the, the wrestling 101 clinic. So I wasn't really mad that Flair won because it made sense from the standpoint of her being more seasoned, being the veteran, you know, and I don't think the feud's done so to speak but i do think you know this is going to be one of those ones where it's like that's kind of going to be charlotte's like gimmick so to speak i think like that veteran who just 
kind of wants to see if the cream rises to the top and who can hang and who deserves to be there, which I'm all for. Um, but I didn't really care. <laughs> um, like, I had no hype for the match going into it. It was one of those ones I'm like, okay, that's cool. But it was actually really good. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I feel like I'm enjoying a lot of the matches that I wasn't going to enjoy or I didn't care about. And they're kind of like the matches I would have, like, skipped or, like, went to the bathroom, made food. Like, when I rewatch, like, a Mania, you can hit the bumper buttons on the Xbox to, like, skip to matches. Like, I would have skipped these matches if I didn't watch Mania Live and I watched it back. But I actually enjoyed watching it. Um, next up, another match that was, like, it was really quick, like, <laughs> quick in a sense that I don't have much to talk about. Because I don't care about Bobby Lashley, especially the Lana thing. And Aleister Black, kind of like one of those ones where it's, like... I thought because of the Buddy Murphy situation that he would be kind of interjected into like the the Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens stuff. So he would be kind of like brought up to the forefront and like main event of Raw for a while because Seth Rollins was. And um, it was a good match. It was nice. Aleister Black now has a WrestleMania win under his belt. Um, Lashley changing to just like actual tights, like long pants style. Eh, Didn't really do any, like I didn't really care. Um, Bobby Lashley's good in the ring, though. Like, I feel like the gimmicks and everything else are what's hurting him. Because I am a Lashley fan. I was a fan when he was in WWE the first time. I thought TNA, he really expanded himself and got better on the mic, at least. And now it's like, I don't think they want to give him a chance. And I feel like they should. Also, I noticed when I was editing the other audio, you can hear me taking breath this and that one. I have really bad allergies right now. And... So that's, like, really a big factor because it's been raining and then hot here in San Diego, so it's, like, really messing with me. And, um, two, I need to actually get a new microphone because mine broke. So I'm working with a broken mic, and I'm trying to keep the audio the best of my ability for the quality. Like, I'm recording right now, the peaks aren't there, so I'm doing a lot of amplifications and modifying and tweaking and rendering to get the audio to sound manageable. So hopefully another week or two, another two episodes probably, I'll be able to, you know, have my new mic and everything will be, you know, back to really good quality because I like the good quality audio. But, yeah, no, I mean, hey, Alistair Black got his win. That's cool. A match that I actually forgot was going to be a WrestleMania match, but at the same time I was like, it's intriguing that so soon after being a tag team, he's kind of doing more solo stuff, even though his tag team partner is usually around, was Otis and Dolph Ziggler. Because Dolph Ziggler had Sonya Deville at his side, and I thought it was really curious. Mandy wasn't already out there, so right off the bat, I was like, okay, the ending of this match is going to be Sonya Deville doing something to get involved, and Mandy comes out. That's what's going to happen. And lo and behold, after actually a really decent match, um, you know, Deville obviously decided to distract Otis and Dolph Ziggler hit the low blow and then out comes Mandy attacks Sonya then Otis hits his caterpillar worm or whatever it is I think they call it the caterpillar and then he wins and then the payoff of months and weeks of all the storylines is Otis finally got to kiss Mandy and I was like good for him you know, that's long-term storytelling, which they don't usually do often, which is why I'm still curious about this whole Bobby Lashley-Lana thing, because what's the long-term of that? Because Lana technically almost cost in the match to an extent, and I feel like they're hinting at that eventually not working out anymore, I think. So, who knows? 
I gotta take a breath because Edge versus Randy Orton in the last Man Standing match was so long, but it was so good. It was such a long match, and it was just this is the kind of last Man Standing match I want because I don't think with a crowd and this and that it would have worked. Um, I think last man standing matches have been really lazy in recent years because it's always been someone against a bigger guy and then it's oh let's just push the announce table over on them yeah that's honestly been the thing but this match um right off the bat i loved because there's no crowd orton doesn't need an entrance he was the cameraman and put the camera down to us and then boom right off the bat attacks him um with an rko and i was like okay this is great i like that they kind of went all around the performance center because they were back in the gym area and i know a lot of people on social media wrong because i was reading twitter live they were talking about how oh the chris benoit thing because of the gym equipment i was like this stuff was filmed in advance and you know there's no correlation between the two with vices um dark side of the ring benoit documentary and this match like you can I feel like everyone always wants a chance to like bring up Benoit and interject him into a conversation with current wrestling situations. This wasn't it. Um, I did like all the attacks around the weights and the weird drop kick thing off of the, I don't know, whatever that arm, I don't know, machines enough. But the fight all around the ringside, the production truck, which the production truck area, I was just like, oh God, like this is going to be very intriguing on how this is going to play out because there's an RKO up there almost a spear into an RKO and then the sleeper hold um which led into the concerto and you know Edge obviously won um but it's one of those matches where it's like Edge and Orton were able to with like some banter about facial expressions body language like tell the story so well and the build up is great because when you really think about Edge other from Royal Rumble to now, Edge was only what two Ross, and that was it. So it's really been Orton telling the story with help of Matt Hardy coming out to the ring, Beth Phoenix, this and that. So it's like really been, you know, one of those ones where it's like can't wait for them to get near each other in the anticipation, which a lot of matches don't do anymore for feuds or rivalries because they're having tag matches with other people tagging against each other on the same tag, like they're facing off in matches all against each other so much that it's like the Kevin Owens Seth Rollins thing I didn't care about that match but this match this this is outside of the Boneyard match this was my favorite non uh like cinematic like this is my favorite match match so far and I don't know if it's gonna be able to be topped from just a regular match standpoint because it was just so good, and I'm curious where they're going to go with this from now, after, because, like, usually last man stands in matches are like the rubber match or the end of a feud, but I feel like it was just so good, and they have such a good chemistry, because, you know, they were tag team, this and that, like, I feel like I would want more matches, I would want another SummerSlam match, I would like it to end with possibly a Hell in a Cell match, or go 2002 Shawn Michaels Triple H three stages of Hell match, you know, like there's options there, and they can continue it if they wanted to. So yeah, no, that was that was good, and the cool down from such an intense p- pacing method- methodical match was 
the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory, which, no clue, don't care. I think the Street Profits, I, okay, I says Montez Ford is very entertaining, um, but I didn't really care about this match. Uh, Street Profits won, Garza and Austin Theory and Selena Vega attacked them afterwards, Bianca Belair came out and attacked Vega, so I assume that maybe Bianca Belair is now officially on Raw, because I know her and Montez Ford are together, so I don't know. Um, we'll see how that could go tomorrow night on Monday. Uh, you know, the 24-7 championship, I don't care. Like, randomly, it's like Mojo's running, everyone's there. Then Gronkowski did that weird, like, I don't even know what kind of, he just kind of, like, flopped himself off of the balcony on top of everybody and pinned Mojo, then ran off of the 24-7 championship. I was like, but he's supposed to host. And I was like, ugh. This is, I don't want Gronkowski on my screen ever again from his entrance from last week or a week before when they announced him as the host. That was just, and then every time he touches the mic, I'm like, I don't, I don't want this man to speak. I don't want to look at him. I just, I hated everything about it. Um, but so I didn't know this. So the Bailey SmackDown Women's Championship match was a fatal five-way elimination match and it had Sasha, Lacey Evans, Naomi, and Tamina. Um, I felt like this was actually really entertaining from the standpoint of Bailey talking so much and then her actually at one point acknowledging because she could hear Michael Cole on commentary and saying, no, we didn't when talking about them almost getting eliminated. Um, I thought, you know, it definitely set towards the end a really good segment that kind of led to, or sequence, I should say, that kind of made you feel like, okay, we're going to get Bailey versus Sasha. Because um, Bailey blocked the women's rights from Lacey Evans and kind of flipped her around and it turned into Lacey like just punching Sasha in the face and Bailey didn't even try to kick up the pin. And then it led to Sasha coming back out hitting the um, bank statement slash backstabber on Evans. And then Bailey pinned her and won. But you could see the whole, okay, let's tease at it, let's hint at it, you know, she there that's the feud that's gonna happen. And so I thought maybe they were gonna close out tonight with the Firefly Funhouse match. Um, but no, that was actually I guess second to last, because after this is Drew and Brock. But okay, I have no idea. <laughs> I texted my friend, uh, let me pull up my phone, because like, while I was watching it, I was very confused as to what was going on, and I didn't know what was the actual match or what was the build-up, but I was still also really enjoying it, so I actually tweeted, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching, and I'm 100% loving it, and my friend texted back, it's such good shit, pal, right as... The Vince uh, puppet doll thing said that, and I was like, "Yeah, no, it really is." I think just it, it was great because it was kind of like uh, dream sequences, uh, and just all those personal like everyone's saying it was like perceived personality flaws in John Cena throughout all of his career in different iterations because we got the Ruthless Aggression Cena and they did a Saturday night main event where he, okay when they called him Johnny Large Meat um I 
just died. Especially when he was lifting the weights really fast and Bray Wyatt's like just mouthing, oh my god. Like, I was dying laughing through this whole entire thing. Um, and then, you know, we got even Bray Wyatt from the old Wyatt family and the whole, his limb losing against Cena. And then we had a, um, a NWO Nitro with Cena's Hollywood Hogan and why it's Eric Bischoff like the best part of this whole entire thing was the cuts to like actual um classic archived clips while Braid's like talking along and it lined up and synced up perfectly and I just thought like once again just like the Boneyard match I was like these are filmed so good like my Boneyard match was obviously filmed a lot more cinema cinemagraphic or like just good visual quality this had like a gritty, grainy feel to it. Um, I thought it was just like one of those things where it's like John Cena coming out as Doctor of Economics, making nuts jokes and this and that. And I was like, this is so good, so good. And then you know you see John Cena, you know, punching Wyatt, and all of a sudden he's punching Husky the pig. And then the fiend's right behind him. And then the mandible sister Abigail into the the mandible claw into the sister Abigail, and then. Uh, Wyatt's normal self count the pin so I was like okay I guess you know we we got that's the match and I thought it was one of those things where it's like I want them to kind of feud longer because I like the psychological side of this I like the deep dive into John's persona and why because like let's face it you know, it's no secret, you know, Bray Wyatt with the fun house, you know, he has the photos on the wall, he's going, all of his opponents and his feuds have been, except for Goldberg, have been people who, you know, either buried or had issues when he was in the Wyatt family, so, I, but I want this John Cena one to continue, because it's almost like, you know, Bray Wyatt's wiping the slate clean from all the stuff that was done wrong to him, or he did wrong, and now, but I just, I just like Cena. Like, I've always been a Cena fan. I've met him a few times. Nice dude. And I've always been a fan. Never booed him. Never thought he was boring or anything like that. Because he's always been entertaining. And he knows, you know, the end. Like, even if you listen, if you listen to After the Bell with him and Corey Graves, the most recent episode, go listen to it. It's great. That's all I'm going to say. But, yeah, though, this was really weird. And I still don't know what I watched. So I'm going to watch it again. But that brings me to the main event. Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. Um, I was actually really shocked. That I didn't think it was just going to start with like a Claymore kick right off the bat. And then, obviously, in normal Brock fashion, German suplexes, F5, another F5. There's like four or five F5s. And then Drew McIntyre hit three or four Claymore kicks. And, you know, that's it. Um, I was reading online, though, um, that I guess something was filmed after that. That's going to be used for Monday, so I'm curious about that. But yeah, um, Jim Tyler won. I that's what I wanted. I was hoping, you know, that this is one of the matches where I think not having a crowd really hurt it because I really wanted that extravagant Drew McIntyre entrance with the bagpipes and the drums. I wanted the crowd cheering as they're amping him up for a Claymore kick and that pop when he gets the three on the pin. So I feel like, well, that was a good match we knew that was how it's gonna go i think um brock works for the crowd so brock will put a longer longer match on if he has the crowd there that's not like so i think 
this was a lot quicker than what was originally planned. I'm not going to be like, a, you know, another other people, journalists and this and that. Like, this is just my opinion. I feel like if there was a crowd, it probably would have been a longer match. Would have been more emotion into it and this and that. But, yeah, I'm glad Drew won because I was hoping he would win. He deserves it. And now, you know, the prophecy is fulfilled. He is the chosen one. So that's, you know, that's really, that's, um, I think I like night one more than night two. Just because of things like Jimmy Uso's banter, Kevin Owens' banter, jumping off the sign. The the uh, Boneyard match was so good. Um, yeah, and the, the triple threat ladder match was good. I think from overall all the matches, I liked night one more. But night two, I did enjoy it. Like, I didn't hate any matches. Like, I enjoyed it still, but other than the Firefly Funhouse and some of the banter in the women's Fatal Five-Way Elimination match. Like, tonight was just kind of like, okay. Still liked it overall. Still really good WrestleMania. Um, one of my favorites. I think overall, compare, adding Night 1 and Night 2 together is one cohesive WrestleMania 36 and not in parts. Probably one of my favorite in recent years. At least the last five years, one of my favorites. So, yeah. But... With that being said, um, you know, we're going to go back to normal schedule things. Um, I mentioned it yesterday in the intro that I recorded. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, I'm still trying to restructure everything with the co- the podcast because no new comics to talk about. And I just need to figure out how I'm going to manage all that stuff, you know. That's a big chunk of what I was going to talk about, especially the summer, you know, arc starting and this and that. So we're probably going to add, I think I'm going to replace the comic book talk with probably more movies and TV shows that I'll like suggestions in anime. I think I'm just going to now start off all the topics like before. Sorry, my mic came up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make it. So before I start the main topic of the um, episodes, I'm going to talk about anime, video games, and probably some TV shows and movies since a lot of stuff is going video on demand. That's going to fill the void of comics for the time being until we can get our comics back up going again um so yeah that being said thank you for listening to episode 35 of our nerd name mark podcast uh you can follow me on social media at the underscore ion vein on twitter and instagram you can find the podcast at anchor.fm slash a n n m podcast um it's now available on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play podbean basically all podcasting apps you can think of it's there um, if you do have the time, when you scoot on over to uh, give us a little five-star, a little quick review on uh, Apple Podcasts. I saw a few pop up. I got the email notification, so thank you guys for that. Well, with that being said, thank you for listening. My name's Mark, and I'm a nerd. Hey.